My name is Rob and I'm the host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with the belief that each one of us wants to be fully known and fully loved. Surrender. What do you think of when you hear the word surrender? Are they positive connotations, negative ones, or maybe a mix of both? And what does it look like to be a young woman trying to surrender your life to God on a daily basis? Is that even possible in today's highly secular world? Join me and my special friend, Sarah Moss, as we discuss not only that topic, but what it looks like to be a young Christian woman in today's world and discover for yourself. Thank you for listening. This is Real Friends. So I'm here with a special friend of mine, Sarah Moss, and we're here on a beautiful day at Creevecar Park. So if you hear any background noise, it's all park related. So before we kick things off, um, the way I thought we could do it is I'd let you introduce yourself with a simple 10 to 20 second bio, name, age, current career, and then some sort of interesting factoid about yourself, either a hobby, passion, interest, goal, before we actually get into uh, the next part of the, the podcast. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so I'm Sarah Moss, um, I'm 27, and I currently just changed jobs. So I've been in the fundraising profession for a while now. I came from the event side of things, planning fundraising events and um, auctions and any way to just grab the community's attention in order to get them involved with helping out needs and missions. So I came from that aspect of things and now I switched over to working for an auction software company that helps those organizations fundraise. So now I work more so with a wide array of organizations and giving them best tips, best practices, and really advising them on how they can best fundraise. So kind of switched there, but um, I'm excited about like the new career path um, that I'm on and last week was my first week. So um, definitely very fresh and new, Um, trying to give myself some grace because I'm a little overwhelmed, but like it's just my first week. So um, I'm excited at what is God's gonna do with all of that. And how long have you and I been friends? How did you and I actually meet? Do you remember? Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, I know we first met um, joining, I joined your quarter life small group Mm -hmm. um, at Breadco out in Westport. Right. And and you were our small group leader. I believe that was the first time we met, but it seems like so so long ago. I know, it does seem a long time Um, ago. Gosh, that would have been, was that 2018? Very well so, yeah, yeah. Um, and then of course worked at the connections point together. Yep. Sometimes at the crossing and um, yeah, other events that yep. we've done. Yep. So different outreach events. So. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So the way I like to kick things off is by using the five love languages as an introduction to who you are and how you both express and receive love. So are you familiar with the five love languages? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. For those who are unfamiliar with the five love languages, it's based upon a book written by Gary Chapman that groups our ability to both express love and receive love into five love languages. Those are physical affection, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. So if you're ready, we'll go ahead and jump into each one of these and uh, you let me know whether it's high on your your love language scale or low. So Mm -hmm. the first one is physical affection. How important is physical affection to you and what does it look like these days? Yeah, physical affection, I feel like, has, like, teetered between number three and number four for me on my list. Um, 
I, I think it's really important and I definitely see when it's number one on someone's on somebody else's scale, you can definitely tell they're very huggy. Um, and I, I love having friends that do have that because I can tell like that's their way of expressing love yeah. to me and I can see that and it's very visible, right? You can tell that they care so much about you, just the way that they greet you and the way they say goodbye. So I think it's a really beautiful love language that doesn't really get talked about as much as the other ones, um, but it is lower on my list. Um, compared to the other, other so if you're going to give out awards for being in the huggers hall of fame who would you give out like one or two awards to i can think it's a mutual friend of ours who i would give out an award to but i want to see who you say yeah um the best huggers i i definitely have like a top three um definitely a close friend of mine who i've known for years and years like she is just like you just know that when she embraces you like she's 100 yeah. percent there her heart yeah. is all in yeah. and those are those are the hugs that are healing yeah. in a lot of ways and that and like i said those are the people where like physical affection is like at the top of their yeah. list so but yeah you can just see like that they're all in and they care 100 percent with their yeah. heart so yeah, that would be the first person I think of, um, be the other person that I think of when I think of someone who just embraces you like with their whole heart, his yeah. whole heart. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so one person that I was thinking of was Carson. Oh, Carson as well. <laughs> How can you forget? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen Carson in a hot minute. Hug. Hot I guess minute, since yeah. I work a youth, you know, and I see him on Wednesday, but he's all about the hugs, man. So I would definitely yes. give him a award. Yes. Being in the Huggers Hall of Fame. That's right. That's right. Okay. So you said that's maybe third or fourth on your uh, left hand screen. How about quality time? What does quality time look like to you? And do you gravitate towards active quality time, passive quality time, or a little bit of both? That's something, um, this would be between this one and um, physical touch go back and forth for mm -hmm. me. Um, so I kind of. I, I love those friendships where you can just sit with that person and like you don't have to mm, say anything yeah. you can just be in their presence and like recharge with them yeah. um, though that is really meaningful to me to just be so comfortable with somebody that all you have to do is just be with yeah. them yeah. Um, and not having to be doing anything yeah. so do you have a lot of friends like that I do I do um, my roommate currently that's why it works really well yeah. for us to live together yeah. because we can be in the same room and be together but also be recharging at yeah. the same time so there's that quality time yeah. but also it being not a strenuous activity yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. um, I had a friend who back when the Sunday newspaper used to be uh, actually physically mailed out to you and you get a, a hard copy of it he and I would actually be able to go through the ads with one another. So yeah, <laughs> I like that doesn't, though. Doesn't happen. We go through like the hardware ad or the electronic ads, and that doesn't happen with very many people. Yeah. So, but this has been a friend who he's been a friend for goodness gracious, maybe forty-ish years. So yeah. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> that's special. Um, so you mentioned one person in terms of quality time. Who do you spend your best quality time with these days? Mm. I, I would say my parents for sure. Like, mm. I mean, because, and that comes with just like so many years of experience yeah. with a person really close to you, but it, it doesn't really, we can do, we can watch a movie together. We can go out to dinner together. Really anything we're doing together is still like relaxing and it feels like home. Yeah. So I think my parents would be my number yeah. one. Yeah. Good. Um, for quality time because I don't think uh, everybody would necessarily answer it that way so I think that's awesome it's very true yes yeah, that's great 
So the third love language here is words of affirmation. How important is it to be affirmed, encouraged, or acknowledged, not only for what you do, but for who you are? And how important is it to hear those three simple words, I love you? That's my number one love language, so it's definitely important for me. Um, I, I feel like actions show a lot too, and I know we're going to get into acts of service, mm -hmm. so that's my like number two. Um, but like the words are really important. So even if I see the actions in somebody, like if I don't hear the words, it doesn't feel like complete to me. Like I need to have the words and the actions in order to like fully feel the love from someone else. Yeah. Um, so if that's important to you, how well do you think you do in affirming other people, reminding other people that you love them, pointing out the positive when you see them? I'm very intentional with yeah. that for sure. Yeah. Like if there's any way that I can speak life-giving words to someone, um, if they allow me to, to hear and enter into something they're going through, like I'm very careful with my words and want to be giving them words that they can cling to, words that they can hold close to their heart and really um, to help them to, to really understand that I'm there, that they're not alone. Those are all very important statements and things that I need to hear and hold on to when I'm going through something hard. So yeah. I, I definitely um, am intentional with trying to encourage others and giving them the words that yeah. I can speak. Good. Um, so who do you think is or are the most affirming people currently in your life? Who just seems to do like a great job, a natural job of affirming you, reminding you that you're loved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have a group text with two of my best friends from college, um, and we both we all live in St. Charles, which has been our dream for so long. But um, it's just, I think, especially with my first week of work and learning so many new things and trying to like download it all um, and feeling overwhelmed like even this last week when I needed encouragement yeah. I could just post in that group and both of them just sent yeah. me like words that were so yeah. encouraging yeah. like reminding me who I am and what God is doing and and how exciting it is and that just really helped me just really wrap my brain around like what's you know take a step back and really recognize what's going on and like remember that like God is in this yeah. and like um, that's just super helpful for me and yeah. like really helps me to stay focused on what's important. Yeah. Um, so this is a little bit different spin, but um, how comfortable are you at having people pray over you, pray for you? Mm -hmm. And um, who are some of the, the prayer warriors in your life that really do a good job of praying for you and praying over you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to not be comfortable with that. Like, mm -hmm. I'll admit that. Um, so that it's been maybe the past year to year and a half, I've really gotten more comfortable with praying in groups and praying with others and really have seen God move in doing that and really opening up and stepping out of my comfort zone to yeah. do that. God moves like when two or more are gathered together and pray in agreement, mm -hmm. like I see God move now. And like, so it's now it's kind of like, that's one of my first things is like, if I hear or see someone going through something, it's like, can we pray together yeah. about this? Like yeah. before we leave today or before like we depart, like, no, I'll be praying for you outside of this, but are you comfortable if I pray like yeah. over you? Yeah. And that's been like so new for me. I never thought that I would be comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, but I really learned that from my mom. My mom is the biggest prayer warrior mm. that I know. Mm. Wow. Um, and I know that's one of her spiritual gifts. And I just had never fully understood that until like she started praying over me and praying with me. So I've definitely, 
um, over the last year and a half have called her several times just to say, hey, can we pray? Like, yeah. because it brings me so much peace yeah. to hear somebody else speaking life-giving words yeah. over me um, and coming to the Lord, like, on my behalf. Um, so that, I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and I'm so glad you asked because yeah. I really feel strongly about that. Yeah. Like, now that God has grown me in yeah. that way. Um, so I've never thought about bringing that up. So you and I were just chatting here and just thinking about being prayed for and praying yeah. over someone. Is that being a form of encouraging, form of loving someone in a prayer way. So mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so the next love language is acts of service. Mm -hmm. How important are acts of service to you these days and what does that look like? How can somebody serve you well in your different roles either as a daughter, a friend, an employee, mm -hmm. acts of service. I did not realize how high this was on my list mm. until I met somebody who was really good at it. Wow. Um, and so I I really feel like, for me, I'm always, I've always got a to-do list. I've always got something in the back of my mind that I need to do or like, so to have somebody come alongside you and say like, how can I help you? Like, can I do this for you? Mm. Or somebody who will go ahead and take the initiative and do it for you yeah. before you even ask. Like that makes me feel so loved and it makes me feel like that person is thinking about my needs before I even have to speak them. Um, it's just such a caring way to love somebody, um, to really be like, I'm not only going to like encourage you with my words, but I'm gonna go out of my way to actually take something off your list, to, to take care of you, to help you give you some free time to really like free up that time and and spend it with God or spend it however you need to spend it. So I, that's one of my favorites um, because sure. I just think it says so much about that person. Yeah. Um, so is it, is it easy for you to allow others to serve you or did you have a difficult time? Was it challenging to kind of let go of stuff and let people actually serve you? Um, I don't think it was challenging. In, in my mind, like knowing myself, I would have thought that it would be because yeah. I like to control things sometimes and yeah. I like to I like to make sure things go a certain way. I would think that I would have had more trouble with that, but I think it was more or less, I've been so surprised by the way that others have stepped in and helped me um, that it just felt more so like I was overwhelmed with the gift yeah. and just kind of like in awe of being gifted, like yeah. others willing to step in and, and take time out of their day or to do something special for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it was because I was so surprised. Yeah. Um, so can you think of any particular examples either recently or in the past where somebody served you well and it just really resonated with your heart? Hmm. I mean, I think it can be big things and little things. Sure. Like yeah. the most recent things that I can think of are just things when it comes to like living with somebody else. There's there's always things to do, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's taking out the trash or cleaning the dishes or, um, so my, my wonderful roommate takes initiative to do a lot of those yeah. things. Yeah. And there were times when I had planned on doing something, but it ended up at the bottom of my to-do list for the day and she had already done it. Things yeah. like that, it can be little things yeah. or big things. That is true. And I think um, when somebody is like in constantly in a rhythm of doing little things to help and serve you, sometimes that can be um, more important than just one big particular act of service. So when you see it's that's their heart and that's the way they're hardwired. Um, I feel like right now during my current season of life, like service is one of my primary ways that I show people that I love them. Mm -hmm. Whether it's through different ministries at the church or even just through like the, the running group that I'm a part of. 
taking pictures and then uploading them, they absolutely love it and appreciate it. And so when you can not only do something that you're passionate about, but also have other people appreciate it and really thank you, just in little ways. Um, like this morning, we ran here at Creeper Park. Yeah. And I was um, stationed out there on one of the, the outpath. And just as people walk by, just to have them thank me. And not only thank me, but then also um, there's something special when people know your name. Mm. They thank you by name. I mean, that just, it really resonates with me. And so, um, yeah, service is a big one to me right now. Yeah, and I think that also ties into prayer too, because I I have some, I have a specific friend that I'm thinking of that will say like, hey, I know today's going to be a rough day. I prayed for you. And Mm -hmm. that is something Mm -hmm. where I see as an act of service and a words of affirmation Mm -hmm. type thing, Mm -hmm. because that person is being intentional. And I know that that is coming to the Lord on my behalf. And Mm -hmm. like that is in sort of a way an act of service, I think, and words of affirmation. So I think that can be tied into. Good. So the last love language, according to Gary Chapman, I actually happen to think there's a sixth one, but I'll I'll say that. (laughs) The last love language is gifts. So how important are gifts to you? Are you a gift card type of girl? Or do you like to take your time and research and personalize your gift? And what's the best gift that you have both given and received over the last, I don't know, X amount of years? Mm-hmm. Great questions. Um, this is definitely last on my list um, because I feel like intentionally giving is really where I would spend my time. I like to make gifts or really letters is like a big thing Mm -hmm. for me or words because the Mm -hmm. words of affirmation is the top love language for for me Mm -hmm. so I would rather have a card with a handwritten letter Mm -hmm. than a gift card because like those words like and getting to save those words and pull those words out if I ever want to reread them or even stumbling across a card from years ago and being able to reread those words is like so much more meaningful to me than a gift card that like I spend. Um, And and most of the time, if I need something, like I go out and buy it myself. So it's kind of like, there's nothing that I really need that's physical. What I really need are those deep friendships and those words and those acts of service. Um, So, I mean, I guess if it's like a gift card to a a massage place, that's kind of like, that's nice. (laughs) I would never turn that down, but um, you know, cause that's more of an act of service. I feel like too, of taking care of somebody. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel like more intentional giving is where I land, but that also takes a lot more effort. So I know when sure. Christmas comes up, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. I start thinking months in advance because I want my, my gifts to mean a lot to, to the yeah. person that I'm giving them to. Yeah. 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 Um, so are you a card saver then? I am. Yeah. I am a card saver. Yeah. I have yeah. a box of cards. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's neat. Mm-hmm. I have also saved certain special cards too. So mm-hmm. don't save them all, but, uh, yeah, certainly save special ones. Um, okay, so that's the five love languages. And what I'd like to do now is transition, talk about who you are right now. So during your current season of life, how would you define or describe Sarah Moss? Are you thriving in exactly where you want to be? Thriving, but maybe still have a lot more that you want to accomplish? Or maybe stalled in decline, headed in the wrong direction, or somewhere in between? Great question. Um... Wow. And I I feel like I've gone through so many seasons recently and they, they fluctuate, um, where it can change. It can Mm -hmm. change so quickly. Um, so I I came out of a season where I was not doing very well. Um, and and just being, I was overwhelmed with so much with my job, with the things going on in my personal life. And I knew I needed to make some changes and I I really had to step back and take some time, 
um, to fast and to really ask God, like, what are the next steps I need to take? Because I'm, I know I'm heading in the wrong direction. Like mm-hmm. something's not going the way that he wanted it to. It didn't feel like I was in the middle of his will. And a lot of that was because I decided what I wanted to do instead of asking him and just was like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, so I think that, um, I just came out of a season of really having to surrender every area of my life, which was really hard for me being somebody who likes to control things, who likes to plan, who likes to envision what's going to happen and then make it happen to really surrender all those areas and say, you know what, God, like I've been, I've been running the show. I've been driving this car and like, it doesn't look the way I wanted it to because I was trying to do it all on my own. Um, and to really say, Hey, you know. The cliche of Jesus take the wheel like let's go where you want to go because yeah. I know it's gonna be way more beautiful than anywhere I could take us um, so I really had to get to that place of surrender um, which has happened multiple times in my life yeah. I feel like it's easy for us to surrender and then also pick back up control yeah. um, so I, I got to this place of surrender and then things started happening things started moving um, and it was crazy what God has done. Like in the past, like several months, like, you know, I, I, there's so many new things that God is doing and it's beautiful to see and be a part of. Um, and it's overwhelming on the other side. Like, you know, it's overwhelming in a good way, overwhelming in a, wow, God is so good. This is so great. Um, and so moving from a season of, of really a season of struggle to a season of thriving. Um, and even in that, I feel like God's gifts have been, so good that I take back some of that control sometimes. And I take those gifts and I think, here's what I want to do with those gifts now. And God is still reminding me, hey, let me drive. Let me let me decide what is going to happen with these gifts. Yeah. Um, so that's where I feel like um, I've definitely had to maintain or, or work at keeping a state of surrender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about surrender. Yeah. What does that look like in a practical sense? Like what type of things do you feel like you've had to surrender? And um, when you do surrender, on the flip side of that, how do you know that you're really hearing, sensing God's direction, God's prompting, nudging in your life when you do mm-hmm. surrender? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and the the when I think of the word surrender, I really envision like open hands in front of me. Like that's really what I envision. And when I, when I come to a state of surrender with God, like that's what it looks like. It looks like me on my knees with my open hands, really letting it all go. Um, and saying like, I don't want to control the outcomes. Like I, I don't want to control, um, what is going to happen next. Like I want him to control it. I want him to design it because he's the ultimate designer, um, and creator. Um, so the areas that that includes in is, you know, job situation, mm-hmm. um, and also relationships, whether that's friendships or significant other, mm-hmm. like it, that's really hard because sometimes friends are there for a lifetime or a season and like, that's hard to discern. And that can be really, really painful. Um, especially when you love and care about somebody so much, um, and relationships are, are a whole nother thing. So that's like, um, and, and that's a deep desire that a lot of us have within our hearts um, that is hard to surrender and, and submit to God's will. Um, so that's a big one. Um, career, relationships, um, whether that's in how you spend your time too, auditing your time and making sure you're putting God first as spending time with him in the morning 
and asking him about what to do with your time and also your treasure. So your finances, your, the things, the resources that you have and the talents that you have, like asking God what he wants to do with the talents that he put inside you, the ones that he created you um, to have and, and to use for his kingdom. How do you use those talents and where do they go? Like where does God want you to plug in with those? So that's a huge thing. Um, so just really coming to him with, here's all that I have, here are the desires of my heart but like I want to surrender it and and let you and let you go with it. Yeah, well, I think that's beautiful. Um, so that's currently where you're at. But what I'd like to do now is I'd like to start at the beginning, um, because I feel like the early formative years, whether we realize it or not, often shape and influence a large portion of who we are and how life plays out as adults. So for better or for worse. Um, as an adult, we either reap the benefits of how we were raised or we spend years trying to unpack and deal and heal from some of the fallout and trauma we experienced early in life. So, tell me about your childhood and years of, as a youth. What are your earliest memories as a child growing up? Good? Bad? Somewhere in between? Yeah. Um, hmm. Childhood. I, I know there's so much there, so it's like you can go so many directions right. with that. Um, I, I want to talk about it in terms of like my walk with God because I definitely feel yeah. like I accepted Christ at a really young age, yeah. a, a vacation Bible study, yeah. um, which was awesome. And like I don't really remember not having God walk with mm. me. Like I don't remember before then. Yeah. Um, so I know He's always been there, but there have definitely been seasons in my life where I grew deeper with him and deeper and deeper. Um, and it's kind of like that, that song oceans. It's like, take me deeper than mm -hmm. my feet could ever wander. And I knew when yeah. I sang that song for the first time, I was like, Oh, this song's going to get me into <laughs> trouble, God, because I don't know what we're going to go through to, in order to grow this deeper yeah. relationship. Don't honor that prayer. Don't honor that request. Right? That's yeah. right. You have to be cautious what you pray sometimes. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I always remember him being there um, and walking with me, and it's just become a closer and closer walk over the years. Um, but in terms of, of growing up, um, I was very fortunate to have parents that really taught me to, like, do the right thing um, and to always do my best and to really... Um, and, and that is such a good work ethic that I have that I'm very blessed to have. But it can also become a challenge for me too to always feel like I need to do the right thing and, and to there's a striving for perfectionism there that I developed over years and years. And, and now I'm trying to kind of unlearn that because um, even though striving perfect perfectionism drives me to be a really like a good person, it tries me to do the right thing. and. But it also can be a lot of pressure. It can be a lot of pressure. And in a lot of ways, like I long to be free from that. Yeah. I long to be free from always worrying what people think. Um, and Amen. to be free from little mistakes that I harp on myself for. Um, being a one on the Enneagram scale, that inner critic for me is really strong. So um, it's, Remind me, what is a one <laughs> on the Enneagram? It's... it's um, is that the perfectionist? It is the, the perfectionist, okay. yes. So that's where I fall, which I, you know, it's always sad for me to say that because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be the perfectionist, but I am. Um, and it, But it, that's where my challenge is, is like how, how do I stay true to myself but also give myself grace 
yeah. um, for when I don't do the right thing because I'm not a perfect person. No matter how hard I try, I will never be a perfect yep, person. Yep. Um, and to really, I'm learning how to give myself that grace because God gives me that grace. And that is just so hard for me to wrap my brain around. It's like how God could still love me even when I'm unlovable. Yeah. No. So um, that's definitely something I'm learning and asking for wisdom for is like, how do I allow myself that grace that God has so freely given to me, even yeah. if I don't understand it? Yeah. So you touched on this a little bit. Um, family. What was your family life like? Um, are you an only child or do you have a brothers or sisters? I can't remember. Um, was it a solid family life? Was there a divorce? And what's your best or fondest memory of your mom and dad? Can you think of any challenging memories of your mom and dad? Either maybe like an illness, death of a loved one, disconnect with a parent, an addiction, brokenness, you name it. Yeah, so I'm an only child, um, which, you know, I so I'm very close with my parents, for sure. Um, and that's really special to me. I hold that really close to my heart, not having a lot of family close or not growing up with a lot of family Um they're really important to me. So I'm very intentional sure. about making time with them um, and keeping that relationship really strong. I mean, and family dynamics are always a challenge for every family. So everybody, that, that's right. <laughs> everybody, if they say it isn't, then they're either lying or maybe in the 0.1% who, who doesn't have family dynamic issues. So yes, I agree. Yes, exactly, exactly. So it's been as growing up and becoming an adult has really helped that relationship, I would Good. say, because now I, I fully understand that all of it is coming from just wanting the best for me. Like that it all yeah. comes out of a love for, for me and them wanting the best for me. Um, and it's definitely become easier to see their perspective on things and, and to relate to them on things now that we're, we're all adults. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a transition, but I'm so thankful for like where we're at and being able to really talk about the hard stuff and, yeah. um, continue to grow into the next seasons of life together. Um, my earliest memories, um, I think my favorite memories are the times that we spent on my dad's boat. My dad had a beautiful like blue sparkly boat like when I was younger and we would take that out on the water and like he would ski um, and I would ski with him on the front of his yeah. water skis. Oh wow. Um, wow. Yeah and, and then we'd go fishing and yeah. like that to me was so freeing. Yeah. Like. Um, I, I don't know something about the wind and the water and just the, water. the family all being yeah. together. Like, those are some of my favorite memories, I would say. And and I where'd you go skiing? Was it here locally, or did you take off? And was it? Um, it was uh, Clearwater Lake okay. out in Piedmont, Missouri. Yeah. Okay. So about two and a half hours yeah. south from here. Um, that's where my grandparents live. Yeah. So, um, not a bad place to live, right yeah. by a lake. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, those memories, I think of just feeling free of, um, you know, away from school, away from, you know, the pressures or the things going on and just taking a break and really enjoying that quality time with those yep. who are important to me. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I love the water. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that the Mississippi River is one of the best kept secrets to those of us who live in the St. Louis, St. Charles area. And I love taking my wave runner out whenever possible on weekends like this because it's just a 30-minute drive to the river. You put in for half a day, full day, pull out, and bingo. Mm -hmm. It's very, very low maintenance. Um, so you kind of touched on this, and that had to do with school. 
So share with me about school, both grade school, high school, college years. What were those like? Were they fun years or challenging years? Were you popular or unpopular? And what sort of cliques, if any, did you find that you gravitated towards? Yes, um, I was not popular, <laughs> mm. but that's okay with me because yeah. I found a group of girls that it was okay. Like we did not have to be popular. We didn't have to be something we weren't. Was it was it, was it okay with you at the time being? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. How did um, you get to that point where it was okay with you? Because I would think that a lot of people that that's those are key years to really fit in. Mm-hmm. Was it the fact that you had this group of girls that you could still cling to and kind of consider to be friends? Yes, I think that deep down we all have this desire to be known and accepted. Amen. And I I found that. I had found that with the group of girls that I spent most of my time with. So I didn't desire that from other groups of people. Um, So I I didn't desire to be a part of the popular crowd per se because I knew I was already loved and accepted by the close people within my life. Um, That doesn't mean that there weren't times where I was excluded and that hurt for sure. Um, I found many cliques, unfortunately, even within like youth groups that I went to. And and that was hard for me to understand coming from a Christian background and being Christian from an early age, like how I could be excluded from a group within a church. Um, But I mean, it happens and it it could, it can be hurtful. Um, Just being rejected or excluded in any way is hurtful. But it was more so just kind of like a reminder of, I know who I am and I know who God is. And like, thankfully that didn't affect my relationship with God because I already had a foundation with him. Um, Whereas like, I can imagine if I hadn't had that firm foundation, walking into a youth group and being excluded or kind of on the outside would make it hard to connect with God or to understand who God is. Um, Did you go to a Christian high school and a uh, Christian college? No, I went to public school and then um, I went to Lindenwood University, which is private. I think it's rooted in Presbyterian, but it wasn't Christian per se. Um, So yeah, I mean, but I, I loved that. I loved getting to meet an array of people and really, I think it helped me be really well-rounded when it comes to um, connecting and and meeting other people who aren't Christians um, and having those conversations. Um, So how about during those formative years, peer pressure? Mm -hmm. Um, How did you deal with stuff like alcohol, drugs, the the pressure to want to get involved in unhealthy relationships? How did all this stuff play out when you were going through those formative years in school? Yeah, so I had my first drink when I was 21 on my birthday. So like, wait, wait, I know. I went to Applebee's uh, and had dinner with my friends. And, and the bartender made me like a cheesecake shot. It was so good. Um, but I, so I didn't really have a lot of peer pressure for that because the group of girls that I like found myself surrounded by, like we, we didn't even know that was really happening. Like it wasn't something that happened within our group. Um, and we weren't really invited to parties or anything like that. So that was the plus of not being in the popular <laughs> crowd is, is that yeah. nobody invited us. Right. So there wasn't that peer pressure yeah. to awesome. drink and be yeah. a part of that. Um, so that was, I feel like very, very nice for me that I didn't have to experience that, that I found a group that I felt loved and accepted by and didn't have to be something that I wasn't, um, or to feel the peer pressure from that. Yeah. Um, so you'd mentioned earlier, uh, VBS, Vacation Bible School, mm-hmm. is where you feel like you truly initially accepted Jesus as your Savior. 
how about during this stage or season of your life? What's your faith like? Yeah. Um, Strong, weak? Has it progressed forward? Has it taken steps backwards? What's it look like? It's definitely deeper. That And that's what I think of. Um, it's kind of like when you're wading into the ocean or wading into wading into the lake. It's like you just keep going deeper and deeper. And sometimes you don't even know how deep you are or that it's going to keep going deeper. But I feel like that's what it's been like for me is like, you know, I started off like in the very shallow end, like mm-hmm. knowing God, but then learning to trust him more and more and learning him really teaching me, like, this is how you come to me. This is, this is, um, these are the disciplines that you should learn in order to really thrive. And part of that for me is like coming to the Lord in, in, at the beginning of the day. And it's not something I have mastered, so I will not claim that, right. but I really truly believe that in order to thrive like that that would be the key to it is coming to the lord in the beginning of the day and surrendering in the beginning of the day before anything happens before you check your phone before you scroll social media before you even see who texted you overnight coming to the lord and spending that time with him without distractions i feel like has been um very very like key to me like even going through 2020 and and all of the like craziness that was happening like that's what god was developing in me was those spiritual habits those spiritual disciplines of staying rooted in him regardless of what's happening around me so that's something that i'm consistently learning and in spending more time with him he's teaching me more and more so it's like a continuous growing deeper and deeper with him Um, so i feel very strong in my faith now because He's been teaching me so much direct and it's coming directly from spending time with him because you can always learn so much like plugging into a church is so important and going weekly and spending time with the community and and absorbing the message and really putting it into practice does teach you so, so much. But I find that learning directly from God and relationship with him is so much more beautiful and just it. it, I hold on to it and grasp it a lot more because it becomes so personal. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what's exciting to me? Mm-hmm. Is we're going to have all eternity to get to know God better and better, more intimate, more personal, all eternity. Mm-hmm. That is mind-blowing when you think about it. Um, so you mentioned 2020, um, the year of COVID. Mm-hmm. How did your impact you? What do you think were the, the pluses and minuses that came out of the year of COVID? Oh, yeah. That's a great question because I know everybody, it forced everybody to, to change and yeah. develop in yep. so many Absolutely. different ways. Yep. So 2020 was a rough year, and not just because of the pandemic, um, but starting in the beginning of 2020, I went through a breakup that was really, really difficult for me. And, and going into quarantine, I didn't have those friends with me to, to go out to ice cream right. or to cry with and and that was so hard for me to have to grieve alone and to grieve just like completely separate from a community um, and really just put that emphasis for me on like why community is so important yeah. um, so that was rough and then um, we had my my father was diagnosed with cancer and and that was just really rough for my family being a tight-knit family of three um, we started praying together as a family, which mm. helped deepen cool. our prayer life and yeah. my prayer life specifically yeah. because it was like, I already know that losing my parents is going to be the most painful thing I'll experience in life. Um, and so it's it's the thought of that happening earlier was just so scary, um, you know, for my dad not to be there for those moments that I wanted him to be there for um, was just heartbreaking for me and so scary. So 
going through that with my family and then my grandma passed away um, and God gave me some beautiful time with her prior to her passing away I mean not knowing that she yeah. was going to pass um, it was hard it was it was a rough year just grieving through all of that and and relationships changing friendships changing and really learning that like God will take care of me like that's where I had to really put my trust and build that foundation of things are crazy around me and like I'm grieving and there's a lot going on but like I can I can still have joy because I I still have the Lord and I can still plant my feet firmly on the firm foundation that he created for me and I can stand on his promises and who he is and his character and really it forced me to develop that that strong trust in the Lord of of him taking care of me um and being there because um, he he was the first person I could run to and and I really had to develop and learn that so that was that's how I grew in 2020 yeah. for sure um so you mentioned grieving mm-hmm. how are you do you feel like you're a good griever a bad griever I feel like and I don't I I don't want to stereotype all guys but I have a tendency to think a lot of times guys take the time to mourn and grieve and a lot of times we just put it on the shelf and we never come back to it mm-hmm. or at least I know like with me a lot of times that's the way I deal with stuff and um, I don't think that's the way God hardwired us I right. think God hardwired us softwired us to actually grieving to be part of the whole healing process so how do you personally feel like you deal with grieving yeah I think um I think I can't avoid it yeah. I think um but I think it takes me a lot of time. Like there are still some things that like I'm grieving still yeah. um, from this past like year to year and a half to two years. Like that it's kind of like, you know, when I think about it, like I'm, I'm still grieving it. Yeah. But it's every day gets easier, I think. And acknowledging it is the best thing I can do to, to really heal is really to feel through it and acknowledge it. And, and to remember like it's okay to grieve because, um, you know, and and because that's a part of healing. It really is. And there's a line from, um, I don't know if you're a big Marvel fan, but... I am a big Marvel fan. Also, awesome. DC Comics, I, I, I like them all. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. Well, um, WandaVision, you know, which I'm just starting to watch and close to finishing. Mm-hmm. I'm on the last episode, super excited, but won't put any spoilers yes. out. Don't, don't tell me. I will not tell it. you. Um, but there is a line in that show mm-hmm. that I think is so well written, and mm-hmm. it's about grief. Um, and one of the characters says, like, what is grief if not love persevering? Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that is such a profound line. Like, whoever wrote it. I yeah. mean, that's what it is. That's, yeah. that's why it pains so much. Yeah. That grief really is a beautiful thing in the sense that you had something that you cared so much about. Yeah. That the loss, yes. the loss meant so much. Yes. Um, so it really is all rooted in love good. persevering. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, so let's transition now to your next season of life. Mm-hmm. Um, post-school, career, job. How did you choose your current career path? Who were the influences? Maybe it could have been a parent, a teacher, or a friend, or just you just happened to stumble across it and figure that that's the direction that you want to go what are the challenges that you face as you pursued your current career path and what are the rewards oof yeah I um 
So being like an only child, I didn't have like a sibling to go to college before me or to kind of walk the path before mm -hmm. me that I could witness or kind of see how they went through it um, and learn from. So I was kind of figuring it out as I went. Um, and I started, I, I went to college um, thinking I was going to major in dance um, and also in communications that I was going to open my own dance studio one day because um, dance had been a big part of my life growing up. Um, and really built my confidence, I think, in myself. And I wanted to do that for others. And I've always had a passion for um, helping women see their value. Um, and, and so I thought that was gonna be my path. Um, but then quickly learned, like, as much as I loved dancing, I did it because it was a passion, not because I wanted to be better than anybody else. And when it became something that I had to be competitive, that I had to um, and, and thinking about the career that I would have to have in order to, to, to do that. It just wasn't something that I, I knew would sustain me and it wasn't something, and I was worried about losing my passion for it. Um, so I decided to keep that as a passion instead of a career and, and started Good. thinking through what were the times that I was happiest. Um, and one of those times I could think back was in high school, we went on this like one week service trip down to New Orleans and helped with Habitat for Humanity and built a house. And I just remember being so happy during that time because like I was just, I was just there to serve. I was serving. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about like other things. It was just me giving my gifts and talents and serving and doing something that mattered, doing something that had like an eternal value for someone. Um, Cause I don't know what it meant to the person who moved into that house, but I can imagine that it was a gift to them. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it, it was a good thing. And I knew that um, there's a purpose to it. So I went into nonprofit administration at Lindenwood. I was fortunate uh, enough that they uh, had that as an option yeah. for a degree and met wonderful teachers there. Um, Dr. Turner's been one of my favorite professors and she, uh, being a Christian herself, had always just kind of interwoven like her passion for, for ministry into her passion for organizations. And that's kind of where my heart was too, of yeah. like, I know that Jesus wants us to serve. And I know that's why I felt so good serving is because we're created to serve. And so I started to think through, okay, how can I make a career out of serving? <laughs> Uh, if that's what makes me happy, um, Absolutely. Um, then why not try to pursue that? And so I learned so much about nonprofits. I learned about um, how they function and, you know, there's a, an array of different missions um, that you can support or ways to support by going to an event, by financially investing, by, um, you know, donating something that you have, a resource that you have, or just volunteering. There's so many avenues to help. Um, so learned all about that and became very, very passionate about, about organizations and doing something good. And I felt really good about that. Um, so I was fortunate enough that God kind of led me, he, you know, it's kind of like, I do feel like he put people in my life that kind of led me to where I am and jobs in my life that led me to where I am. Um, starting with my internship at Cardinal Glennon, which was so, so great. And I fell in love with the team there and the mission of of the hospital um, and serving kids and, and helping them. And then I did that. Um, I went to another organization for six months that I loved too, that was also helping kids. And um, then ended up back at Cardinal Glennon for five years. So um, became a huge passion of mine to, and I learned and grew, learned and grew so much from that. Um, and now I'm helping an array of organizations. Um, so it's, it's exciting, but I, I would not be where I am if I hadn't surrendered parts of that to God too, because 
me getting my dream job. My dream job was to work at Cardinal Glennon. And uh-huh. so I I know that I would have continued to chase that. if, But God gave it to me. He gave it to me as a gift um, in order to tell me, like, hey, this isn't what you want to chase. Like, I'm going to give it to you so you know that it's not going to, your career's not going to fulfill you. Yeah. Like, I'm the only one yeah. who can fulfill you. So I, yeah. I know he did that early on because I would have chased it. Um, and I was fortunate enough then to not have to chase it and more so to say like, Hey, take me where you want me to go and I'll be open. I'll have my open hands. Yeah. Um, so you touched on this a little bit earlier. I forgot all about it, but your passion for dance, Mm -hmm. how do you get involved in dance? What different forms of dance did you specialize in? And, um, what do you think are the, the pros and the cons of dancing in terms of self image, you know? versus the challenges nowadays that we face in society and culture with kind of living up to an unrealistic image of what women are supposed to be like. Tell me a little bit about dance. Yeah. Um, So I started at like three and a half. Wow. Uh, Yeah, really young. And, you know, there were years where I I didn't want to go. You know, I didn't want to put on the tights because the tights were sticky. And especially when it was the summer, you're like, oh, I don't want to wear these. And it's hot outside. Um. But I'm so glad that my mom like had me be consistent with going because it became a passion of mine um, over time. And it taught me so much. And one of those is the camaraderie of being a part of a, a team, of being a part of something bigger than yourself, yeah. um, which has been a theme of my life that I, I always like strive to be a part of something bigger than myself. Yeah. Um, so being a part of a team being a part of a group of girls that met every week and was working on the same dance and in order to perform it and to achieve that goal at the end of the year, like together was just such a beautiful thing. And I was able to dance with like the same group of girls from like such a young age to graduating from high school. Wow! And we became super close friends and like we all went to different high schools, Mm -hmm. which was really cool because it's like, even though we went to different high schools, we had different school friends. We came together every week and could talk about what we were going through or what we were experiencing and really be there for each other and then also dance together. And there was just a bond there that's hard to describe, yeah. but it's it's like doing art with somebody. If you're able to paint with somebody or do photography with somebody, like you're doing something you're passionate about and they're doing something they're passionate about and there's a bond there that's like almost indescribable. So being able to have that was so special to me, which is why I later on had thought I was going to pursue a career in providing that for other other girls. But I, I really think that when it comes to self-image and when it comes to living up to expectations, I was so fortunate to go to a studio that there weren't expectations for you to look a certain way or mm. to be a certain way. And that's what really taught me that it was okay to be myself, that it was okay to just dance because... I was passionate about it, not because I needed to be better than anybody else, not because I needed to look like someone else, but more so that I just needed to be me and bring the gift and the talent that God gave me. And that's what everyone else was doing. And if we're all bringing our talents together, we can accomplish something pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, So having that support of like a group of girls that, you know, we were just doing what we loved together and loving each other and that was so special um to really have an experience and forming for for growing up forming for a young girl who you know you're asking all those questions of like who am i and and should i look like this other person or am i am i accepted 
the way that I am for who I am. So are you still friends with any of these heroes? Do you still stay in contact with any of them or has that kind of drifted since since high school? Yeah, um, so we try to meet up once a year when everybody's in town for Christmas because mm-hmm. you know everybody's all over the U.S. now. Um, so it's, it's rare that we're all in St. Louis at the same time. Um, but when we are, we try to make our annual melting pot dinner where mm-hmm. we all go to the melting, uh, the melting pot, pot. Yep. eat cheese fondue and chocolate fondue and catch up because yep. life flies by. Oh, but yeah. it's a special, special friendship that we all still share. So do you have a favorite performance when you think back on those years of dancing? Was there one performance that kind of stands out to you? Mm. Yeah, I think... Um, my favorite performance that stands out would be when you become a senior um, at the studio, you would get to do your own solo, but we kind of started a tradition where the seniors would choreograph a dance mm-hmm. and get to perform it. So when I graduated, there were four of us total who had danced together all these years. And we had friends that were years behind us and friends that had already graduated. But when it was our year, it came time to choreograph like our dance together. Um, we picked Love's Divine by Seal, which is a really old song, but you know, we had heard it, you know, in class, like years and years it had been played. And so it was kind of very reminiscent of growing up together at the studio and we picked it. And I remember us meeting on a Saturday to choreograph this dance and it wasn't too far before performance. Cause you know, there was so much going on when you're a senior that finding time to do anything is really difficult. But wow. we met on this Saturday and we started choreographing this dance together. And it flowed so easily. I think we were done choreographing within like 45 minutes because we had grown up dancing with each other. We knew each other's different styles. And it was kind of like we all all choreographed it together. So someone would say, let's do this next. And we'd be like, yes, that flows. Let's do it. And it just flowed so easily, bringing all of our creativity and putting it together. Um, Like I said, bringing your talents together. And creating it it was kind of just like a wow moment for me because it was like wow like we know each other so well and we've like developed these talents and this creativity together but it's also different like we all had different styles that we really loved and we incorporated all into this dance um and it was beautiful and it was so fun to perform and at the end it was kind of it was almost like our goodbye as well at the end we all stood like in a row and held hands together and um we looked off stage at those who were watching in the wings and then we looked out in the audience and then it was kind of like we broke apart and we all went our separate ways at the end because that's what was happening yeah. is like we were all going our separate ways and moving on to the next chapter of life and we were able to really depict that on stage which was such a touching moment yeah. for not only for us but for everybody else who was there I think um, so that just was such a special dance to perform yeah. for so many reasons. So did anybody record it? It is recorded. It yeah. is recorded. It's not on the oh. internet though. So <laughs> you maybe have to send me the link privately then if it's recorded and still viewable. Yes, yes. Um, so that's dance. What I'd like to do now is I'd like to switch to another topic. Relationships. Oh yeah. What does it look like to develop new healthy friendships during this season of life? What sort of challenges do you face compared to back in school? And if you're contemplating a serious relationship, what sort of challenges do you face in trying to meet or find someone who you'd be interested in dating? Mm -hmm. We'll end part one of my conversation with Sarah Moss on that question. Next week, we'll discuss Sarah's thoughts and insights into relationships, along with other important parts of her story. In the meantime, to all our listeners in Podville, Thank you for listening.
I appreciate each and every one of you. To a very special friend of mine, I love you dearly. To all our listeners, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Real Friends. <laughs>